Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas here. Thank you for joining me for Life Over Coffee. I just finished a conversation with one of our mastermind students, and she was telling me the story about a friend of hers who is from another town who attends a church that is refusing to do Zoom meetings during the COVID-19 uh, season that we have been going through for the past couple of months. And so this large church of 2,000 people, they have decided that they would not use Zoom as a way of reaching out, that they would not conduct their church meetings online because the Bible says that we should assemble together. She asked me my opinion about that, and I well, I shared my opinion about that, and the discussion was really good. It was helpful, and of course, questions like that always help you to clarify. I love questions. When I do a conference, for example, I always appeal to whoever is leading the conference that we have spontaneous Q&A because it helps me to process. Hopefully, it's a benefit to other people, but it is definitely a benefit to me to think through what I believe, why I believe what I believe, and those are just wonderful opportunities. And so I want to share with you the best that I can recall, the conversation that I had an hour ago with one of our mastermind students, just some of the bullet points as I remember them. And so I want to give them to you because there are deeper issues here that I trust I will be able to tease out for you. And it will help you to think about not just about a church and should a church do Zoom meetings or whatever the technology is, Facebook Live or whatever it may be. Is that right? Is that wrong? Should we do it? Should we not do it, et cetera? Well, that is the talking point. But there are other issues here that will apply directly to you, and I want to get into those issues as I work through this podcast. This is episode 244, and because it is so fresh, I haven't even given it a title yet. I haven't written out the show notes or anything like that because it is, it's at the top of my mind, and I just wanted to go ahead and get that into the podcast, and then I'll come back later and fill out the show notes and the title and, and all of that kind of thing. But it's episode 244. If you want to look at the embedded links that are going to be there in the future. Also, if you want to talk to us, we would love to chat with you. We have a free community forum where people can come and ask their questions. Again, Q&A is it's it's the bread and butter of our ministry. It, it is something that is very important to me. As many of you have heard me say before, I don't want a monologue ministry to where the, the, the content, the resources are just going in one direction. We want to hear from you. And that's why our forums are so important that we can hear from you. It helps us to keep our ear to the ground, to know what people are saying, what people are thinking. And so for you to feed back to us, and of course we do that on our free community forums. We can't do that anywhere else because we don't have the human resources to keep track of all of our social media platforms. And so we don't interact with people on any of our social media platforms, not in this kind of way where they're asking long-form or asking questions that require long-form interaction. But we do have that place, and it is free, and we do want you to take advantage of it, and so will you do that? 
We do that in our Mastermind uh, program as well, and that's why I was talking to one of our students. Our students, I meet with them privately once a month for an hour, and we talk, typically through Zoom. Depends. Uh, sometimes we are out and about, and we are in other locations where we can't get to our computers, and so we just talk on the phone. But it's important to me Similar to you talking to us and us interacting with each other, it's important to me to also do that with our students. We don't want our mastermind program to be just unidirectional to where we're just giving them information, but we're not interacting with them as they respond to that information. And so our mastermind program, it follows along with this same worldview of interaction. Our ministry is a relational interactive ministry in the mastermind program is that way. We have multiple supervisors who supervise the work of our students, and they give them feedback. And then our students can interact with any and all of our supervisors on our private forums. We have a private mastermind forum on our website where we interact behind the scenes, behind closed doors. And so I want to meet with our students once a month to talk about whatever is on their mind, whatever is going on in their lives, because our program is, well, it's not just interactive, but it is the combination of of training, classical intelligence that we are giving them, classical learning in biblical counseling specifically, and then uh, we want to make sure that they are putting in practice real time, simultaneously to gaining the information. We don't want them to wait four years later, two years later, however long it takes them to get through the self-paced program, and then begin to apply. We want them to apply it now. And so part of how we do the application aspect is we have these meetings. They have the meetings with me privately. And so I met with one of our students this morning for an hour, which went for an hour and a half. And then I'll meet with another student tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern time, and we'll go through whatever his issues are. But our student asked, uh, she was talking about her friend that belongs to a church in another town. She did not know the church, and neither do I. And for this conversation or for this podcast, it's not important to know the church, though I did hear of a church in a major metropolitan area that is very large. Maybe it's this church here of 2,000 members. I don't know. But the church decided that when COVID hit or the mandate, or I don't know if it was a mandate as much as a suggestion that we not have local meetings. I guess it was a mandate because they were arresting people if they chose to congregate. And so they chose that, well, we're not going to have our church meetings and we're not going to broadcast any kind of church meetings. The reason why, they said, is that the Bible says that we should congregate together, that we should assemble together as as a body of believers, meaning flesh the flesh, in, in real space, real time, humans gathered together, and the we're not just going to do it any other way through technology. We're not going to meet in cyberspace. And so my student was asking, is that right? Well, the, the first answer to that question is the Bible does not say. 
I mean, really, the Bible does not say that it is wrong to meet in cyberspace or that it is wrong to use technology as a means to communicate the gospel to other people. And, and so this becomes a preferential issue. And it is important for you to understand that because there is a difference between hardcore theological statements that you just can't deviate from and preferences. And you will find that, you know, we say that the Bible speaks to all of life, and that is true, but not directly, not explicitly. The overwhelming majority of things that happen in your life, the Bible will not speak to directly. Should you get married? Should you have a child? Should you work at this job? Should you go to this church? Should you move to that town? Should you have three children or seven children? Should you be a Baptist or a Presbyterian? I mean, there are a zillion questions, and if you bring it down to a granular level, a day-to-day level, the Bible doesn't tell you what to do virtually anything. I mean, there are some things that you don't deviate from. The most important one is the gospel. But then it is true, as I led with in this part of this podcast, that the Bible speaks to all of our lives. But when you elevate certain things, as the Bible teaches this explicitly, and there's no deviation from it, well, you can get into problems. And I do not believe, this is, I do not believe, I'm just going to state it outright, that the Bible prohibits uh, a church from, and I'm using Zoom more, uh, more like you would um, use the word Clorox or Kleenex. Uh, Kleenex is a brand, but it, it means any kind of tissue. Uh, Zoom is a brand, but it means any form of technology, and that's how I'm using it in this podcast. The Bible doesn't forbid that. Now, is it wrong for this church not to do that? No, it's not wrong. If they don't want to use Zoom technology, if they, if they don't want to broadcast their meetings on Facebook Live or YouTube, uh, uh, the YouTube channel or whatever technology they have, it's not wrong for them to do that. It is a preference. It is a preference. And what you're going to find with most of the questions that you interact with on a daily basis is that they fall under the big umbrella of wisdom issues. And so think about an overarching umbrella over virtually all of your life, and the label over that would be wisdom issues. Most of life falls under wisdom issues because the Bible is just not clear. Sure, you shouldn't steal. You shouldn't commit adultery. You shouldn't murder. You should love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But even that, even that, there's a, there's a lot of leeway within that that requires wisdom to know how to do that because you can't mandate. I mean, you can mandate don't commit adultery, because that's kind of clear, and it's black and white. But so much of the Bible is not that way, and so we have a church who is choosing to do this, not to broadcast their services, not to have services, 
which what it would look like would be a pastor somewhere in a room or maybe in the church auditorium preaching a message to no one in front of them. Kind of what I'm, well, not kind of, it's what I'm doing right now without the video. And so it's teaching a message in front of no audience with a latency period to where it will go out to that audience sometime in the future. And this church says, well, you know, the it's a biblical stand for them. And that's where I, I, I would say they're making a mistake. It's a preferential stand for them, and they're okay to do that. If they want to do that, that's fine. That's fine. I put that in air quotes. It's not fine with me because the question, it falls back to, is it wise? Is this a wise thing to do? And I want to make a case in this podcast that it is not a wise thing to do. Sometimes you have to distinguish between being pastoral and being theological. Let me give you an illustration of this. Let's say that a husband died and from all accounts, it appears that he was not a believer, and his wife is crying, and you're in the living room, and you want to be pastoral in this moment, and I'm saying that, and I'm parsing this out, there's a time when you need to distinguish between being pastoral and theological, and she asks you, is my husband in heaven? Is this the appropriate time to give her a a theological treatise on what it means to be a believer and then use whatever subjective data that you have to make a case that he's in hell? Well, you probably can stand on theological ground, though it would not be the most solid theological ground because salvation is a subjective thing as far as when you're comparing a person's experience to it. I mean, there's a lot of people that can be quite religious who aren't believers, and there can be those who, well, they aren't as religious as you might hope them to be, but yet they are. Or maybe they don't belong to the right group or whatever it may be, and you think that they are not believers, but let's say in reality, for the sake of argument, you find out in the future that they are. And so do you want to be theological and and split all the hairs or or, or cross all the T's and dot all the I's about what salvation is, what it looks like, compare it to his life with this lady who's grieving, she just lost her husband two days ago? Or do you want to be pastoral? Being pastoral in this instance could be talking about the goodness of God, the mercy of God that we know that all things are going to work out well, and and in heaven uh, you will realize that God is good and you will be comforted with that truth, even though we don't know the outcome right now. You're being pastoral, and sometimes it's better to be pastoral than it is to be theological. Another illustration of that is having the sex talk with your five-year-old when he asks you where do children come from. Do you want to give him a theological explanation of where children come from, a biological explanation? Or do you want to be pastoral in that moment and and walk the child through where that child is in that, that moment? And so when it comes to this idea of is it right or, or wrong, 
to do cyber meetings because you can't assemble? Do you want to make a strong theological argument here that the Bible says that we should assemble, this is what it means, and if we can't do this, then we're not going to do it at all? We're not going to have any—we're not going to broadcast. We're not, we're not going to— we're not going to shepherd the flock. And this is where, okay, you have to distinguish between, I said distinguish between being pastoral and theological. How about if we distinguish between shepherding the flock and standing on your theological hill? Do you want to die on every theological hill? I remember 30 years ago when the Lord regenerated me in 1984 and because virtually every every church in my county was a Baptist church, either a Southern Baptist church or a fundamentalist uh, independent Baptist church. And so you just you became a Baptist because that's what basically everybody was. And that's fine. I, I'm not anti-Baptist at all, but I'm just saying that this is these are my peeps. And so I ended up going to a fundamentalist church and I didn't know squat about I didn't know squat about religion because I was 25 and didn't know John 3:16. And so I drank all the Kool-Aid. You got Kool-Aid? I like it. Grape, grape. Grape is great. I love grape Kool-Aid. And so I just give me more. And I did what they did and I I became a I became a legalist. I became a a fully ensconced legalist, and and I don't have any. I, I do not struggle with that. As I, I was talking to my pastor about this a couple of nights ago, and they were over here. He and his wife were over here, and I and I said that uh, I see that as a gift. I see the legalism that I was part of as a gift. It was a mercy from God to allow me to go through a a legalistic indoctrination with my fundamental Baptist brothers. I'm not part of that community anymore and and don't have any desire to be and don't plan to ever go back to that kind of culture. But as I look back on it, I learned so many things that have been beneficial. Well, some of some of that is what I'm sharing with you right now. Let me give you an illustration. And so 30 years ago, I, I moved to Greenville, South Carolina in 1986, and because I was a, a good fundamentalist, well, we had this we had this rule. And the rule is is that you would not buy groceries from a store that sold alcohol or tobacco. Now, fortunately in Greenville, we had a a grocery store. I think it was called Community Cash, and I may be wrong on that, but I, th- I think it was Community Cash. It was a long time ago. And at this grocery store, they didn't sell alcohol or tobacco. And so we could stand on our theological hill, and we could be anti-alcohol and anti-cigarettes and, and, and be so anti that we wouldn't even go to a grocery store that that uh, sold alcohol or cigarettes. And then guess what? Community cash <laughs> went out of business. They went bankrupt. And there we were standing on our theological hill with no food, no groceries. We had to change our theology. It, we weren't really changing our theology. We were changing our preferences. In America, you can have a lot of preferences that you can die on because you just can. But 
sometimes when our preferences change, it might be wise, again, we're talking about wisdom issues here, it might be wise to pivot. And maybe we've just, we, we, we've, we're just a little too tight on this theological point. We're just a little too hard on it. In fact, we're so hard on it that we're not pastoring anymore. We're not shepherding the flock. Let me illustrate what I mean. There are statistical evidence, and you can research this, the COVID side effects, the side effects of the coronavirus 19. And when I talk about the side effects, I am not talking about getting coronavirus. I'm talking about the other side effects. The statistical evidence says that the suicide rates during this COVID epidemic, pandemic, epidemic uh, are up. And, and part of that is due to being sheltering in place. People are isolated. And so the suicide rates are up. Anger is up. And, and I don't think there's any argument there. You see more anger, you hear more anger, spend five minutes on any social media platform, and you'll find it. Uh, I, I read a, a supporter of our ministry. I was went out on Facebook for something. I was looking up something the other day, and it happened to be in the feed. Cause, and I don't spend time on Facebook because it's not good for, it's not good for my sanctification. But I saw her name, and so I read what she posted because she's a supporter of our ministry, and I'm interested in her. Her name's Lori, if you want to know. And uh, Lori said that uh, I'm off Facebook. It's too toxic. I'm taking a break. Yeah, anger is up. Suicide rates are up. Anger is up. Anxiety is up. People are, the fear is just running rampant. A lot of it's due to what is going on with sheltering in place, social distancing, the nonsense that's being pumped out by a lot of our media outlets. Medication usage is up. Divisiveness is up. People are seemingly more divisive now. And also uh, marriages, marriage problems are being highlighted or they are Husbands and wives have to live together now, and families have to live together. I heard of, of, of one child saying that this is like the worst time of my life because now I'm stuck with my family. And so you have suicide rates up, anger up, anxiety, fear up, medication usage up, divisiveness up, marriage dysfunction up, familial uh, dysfunction up. And we're not going to pastor. We're not. We're not going to. We're not going to shepherd our people. Now, quite frankly, I, I, I do not. I do not need. I do not mean to be unkind. I. I really don't. But that's that's not just weird. I mean, that is that is not stepping up to call, to the call to shepherd the flock. This season here is the perfect time for the church to shepherd the flock because there are so many things that are going sideways now. I mean, there are so many things being teed up to where it is so easy to hit the ball. It is so easy to shepherd people now because we all have been exposed 
whatever has been, and I, I don't mean COVID, though that is true too for many people, but we all have been exposed. Whatever has been tucked away, hidden in our hearts, you, you just don't commit suicide unless it has been harboring in your heart for a long time. Not suicide, but depressive thoughts and discouragement and, and dysfunction and other confusion. You just don't become angry unless it has already been brewing in your soul for a while, anxiety or desire for medication or being confronted with the reality of marital or familial dysfunction, and now you're so divisive. This is the perfect season for the church to shepherd the flock of God. But no, the Bible teaches that we should assemble, and we, we only assemble when we are together, where we can see each other, touch each other, holy kiss each other, etc. And so we're not going to stream our surface, surface services to our flock. I think that's unwise. It's just unwise. It is uncaring. We need to be out there, and if the means that we have are out uh, are are have changed, then we need to change. I'm not talking about changing the gospel. I'm not talking about reinventing the Bible. I'm not talking about paraphrasing the Bible, restating. I, I'm talking about doing what you always do, but using a different means for doing it. I was talking to a pastor of a local church just a couple of weeks ago, and when this COVID thing hit, uh, he's over the counseling ministry of the local church, and two of his older counselors said, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do counseling through, through technology. I understand that. I'm in the older demographic, too. Old people, we can be stuck in our ways. And so he, uh, two of them said, I, this counseling pastor told me, he said two of his Counselor said, I don't, want, I don't want to do that. Well, of course, they really had no choice. And so they started counseling using Zoom. And then one of them came back and said, I don't think I'll ever come back to the office again. Uh, he was like, this actually works. Well, yeah, it, it, it does work. One of our masterminds, uh, two of our mastermind students started asking the Zoom question. One of them asked because he's recording meetings, uh, the church meetings for his pastor. His pastor had to pivot. His pastor's doing the right thing. And it's like, well, I guess we have to pivot. And so I'm going to preach a different way. I'll be here all by myself, except with the video audio guy and who happens to be one of our mastermind students. And so he's asking the question, how can we do this? And so they're learning technology. And then another mastermind student who is an associate pastor at a church, he said, we've never done this before. How do we do this? And so we had this back-end conversation on our mastermind forums, and, and they pivoted. because They didn't like it. I don't like it. You don't have to like it. I didn't like the idea that community cash <laughs> went out of business. And I had to go to a grocery store that sold alcohol and, and cigarettes. But sometimes you just can't die on every theological hill, and you, you need to pivot. And, of course, our illustration, in 2008, we started using technology. I began to ask God to change my heart about the redemptive use of technology. And, of course, God has done some wonderful things through this ministry since 2008. Primarily, the means, the means has been technology. Now, here's the interesting thing, and when this is over, you're going to see this, and so now I'm being prophetic. 
I'm predicting. When all this is over, we're going to go back to our normal church meetings, face-to-face, hand-to-hand, or elbow-to-elbow. We can't shake hands anymore. And holy kissing and all that stuff, preaching in an auditorium, buildings, shops, wherever it may be. But we're going to be meeting uh, flesh-to-flesh. Plus, plus, we have learned new ways to spread the gospel. We're going to go back to the old ways, and it's going to be fantastic. Now, we've already started meeting at our local church, and it's been really good to gather in the building as we social distance, but it's been really good to gather in the auditorium and to meet, to sing, to worship God, to hear preaching, to see other human beings besides your family. No disrespect for my family. And so when it's all over, we're going to go back to somewhat normal. Plus, we have learned new ways to spread the gospel. I don't, I don't think many of these people are going to get rid of these new ways. It's, going to be, it's, it's not a negation of church meetings the way we used to do it, but it's an addition. It's plus. One final note on this. The underground church uh, has found technology as a means to help them to flourish for years. You see, in America, we can die on theological hills, and we can have pet preferences, and, and we can strain biblical text to places to where we're just pushing it just a little bit too far to where we're not even shepherding our flocks anymore. Well, the underground church, they don't have the luxury to be able to slice and dice and parse out things the way that we can here. Uh, in America and other first world countries. And they have found technology to flourish. This is episode 244. Thank you for listening. Listening, And I, I hope you found some application points for yourself. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.